Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, that's me, and my guest this week is the incredibly talented singer-songwriter Matt Zarley. He talks all about his new project, Hopeful Romantic, which is a musical short film of sorts. It's very unique and very cool, and um, we occasionally have study hall together where we meet at a local coffee house and work on our own stuff, and so I've been seeing him build it and... Uh, edited and come up with the graphics and it's finally coming to fruition. So it's very exciting. Um, also he's been very nice enough to send me an MP3 of my favorite song from the short film constantly. So I'm going to insert it right into the middle of our spiel. Like I didn't know we were doing this, so I don't really set it up in the interview, but I think when we start talking about that song, I'm just going to plop it in. So it may not be the smoothest transition, but you're getting a musical treat people. So Roll with it. Um, what else do I want to share with you? I want to thank Eric Pumala for donating to my little tip jar. It helps me to keep the podcast free. And also, thanks to Eric and the other people that have donated, I was able to do this really cool consultation last week with Brian Rada of Brian Rada Consulting. And he's an expert in using social media to build brands and build businesses. So... Uh, he and I and two other um, podcast shows, uh, Linoleum Knife with Dave White and Alonzo Duraldi and The Dell and Emerson Show with Del Shores and Emerson Collins. Well, all five of us got together at Dave and Alonzo's house and we learned all about the social media stuff. And, you know, some of those other guys are much more uh, advanced than I am. I, apparently there's this new uh, site called Clout or a new app. K, uh, clout with a K and it measures like how much of an impact you have on social media. And I was like in the twenties and some of those other kids were like in the sixties and seventies. So I'm going to try to step it up. I don't want to be that dude that, uh, you like them and then you read their tweets and you don't like them as much. <laughs> Cause I know those people are in the world. Yeah, they're like perfectly nice and sweet. And then you read their, their tweets and shit. And you're like, what a dick. So I'm going to try to uh, build my brand and not be a dick. That's the moral of the story. And thank you to uh, Dave and Alonzo for hosting. Thanks for Brian for coming and sharing his insight. If you want to learn more about him, go to brianradaconsulting.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-R-O-D-D-A, consulting. Um, he really knows his stuff. And this is a ton of fun. And... Um, Without any further ado, I think uh, I just want to send you to DennisAnyone.net. Uh, here's my big asks right now. We still need people to take that audience survey. We're bubbling under the, the amount I need. So if you haven't done it yet and you're a regular listener, go do that. It, it'll take a few minutes. It'll brighten my day and uh, it'll help me get some advertisers. And also, if you could like the Dennis Anyone Facebook page, I learned now that apparently it's important to keep that thing humming along, so I'm going to try to add fun content and share news and things of that nature. Um, so, that's about it. Enjoy Matt Zarley. Um, thank you, Matt. And uh, again, a song's going to pop up in the middle. Just roll with it. It's really beautiful. And um, thanks. Hey there, I am making... Dennis Anyone History today, because I'm doing two things I've never done before, an outdoor podcast, and um, I don't, I'm not plugged in. I, I, I'm testing my computer and my battery life 
to work to work it out. And I'm here with Matt Zarley, hey. singer, songwriter, recording artist, extraordinaire. Um, and we're hanging out in your backyard because it's Sunday fun day. And it's so nice. I mean, it's so beautiful out. It's like fall is coming, so. Now, this very couch is where you and I occasionally have study hall. That's correct. Study hall is, <laughs> Matt and I don't live far from each other, so we will occasionally get together and have coffee and, and chat and then work on our various projects. And one of your various projects is coming to fruition. It is. It's called Hopeful Romantic. Yeah. And it's... A short film mm-hmm. with um, music. How do you describe it? Break it down. Well, it's, it's hard. Okay, it, it did not. Int- I did not intend for it to be a short film initially. Initially, it was just going to be a sweet little EP of five songs, love songs. I was in love at the time, in a great relationship. Uh oh. At, yeah. at the time. At Notice the time. he said at the time. <laughs> All right. Keywords. Yeah. Um, foreshadowing. Uh, fast forward a few weeks into my writing process on the album. I get dumped unexpectedly, and it broke my heart. Um, and so a, you had already started writing songs. Yes. And okay. the album was going to be called Hopeful Romantic Even okay. Then, okay. But it was a, sort of like the flip side Even of before um, the Shit writing. Show. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> shit Show, exactly. So um, after that happened, I had a really hard time sort of accessing loving feelings. Yes. So I wrote this song called Constantly, which is um, a breakup song, essentially. And, and funny enough, my favorite of all your songs ever. I love that because it's my favorite song too. It's my favorite of all your songs ever, and I don't know what it says about me that I, that I like a breakup song, but I just think it's beautiful, Thank and you. I love it. Oh, no, 
I'm, I'm so something came out of that. Yeah, so I wrote the song, and my, my producing partner, Andy Zula, um, who I've done all my albums with, he said, Matt, this is the best thing you've ever done. And he said, you might need to rethink your concept of the album. So I started thinking about it. I thought, you know, I've always wanted to write a musical, and I've been approached about writing a musical a couple times, and I thought maybe this is a good time to sort of test those waters. So I finished writing the album with the trajectory in mind of keeping it a single narrative and this guy's story. And um, initially I was going to do three music videos that were sort of a trilogy in right. the story. Trilogy of terror, given exactly. the breakup situation. <laughs> exactly. Right. So we start with, you know, the beginning, the ha- happy times, and then the mid-center would be the constantly and the end would be the resolve, whatever yeah. that is. You have yeah. to wait and see. You put down the knife or whatever Exactly. Okay. So I um, – in that process of evolving those ideas, I met with uh, Benjamin Pollock, who directed my Trust Me music video. Right. Really and cool he, video. Yeah. He loved the idea of doing these three music videos. And as I was finishing the songs and becoming emotionally attached to all of them, as you do, right. I thought, God, we need to find a way to work all these songs into this project. So maybe they could be sort of like bridge songs or they kind of you know, connect the songs together. And long story short, or long story long. Um, That's what I, podcasting is for. Long story long. There's no limits. There's no limits. No censors. No. Um, We ended up putting all the songs into the film, which it became a film, when, um, oh, here we go, Burbank. I love it. Let me just tell a story while a plane is flying over over our heads. Um, I lived very close to the Burbank airport, and my ex used to live right in the the flight path. And so if you were having a pool party at their house, you would see planes fly right over your head. So I invented a game called Plano, which was like bingo, and you would fill out cards, and if it was Southwest, you would get to mark your Southwest That's card. Genius. Yeah, I was super hardcore into Plano. Yeah, and I made That's like so cards. Dennis Hensley. That is a Dennis Hensley game. Well, it was one. funny because people in the getting people at a drunken pool party to really get into it was a little like. They were a little eye rolly about it, it but before work. you knew it, no. But they were just like, "What? I don't care. What do you with the planes?" And then they were like, "Shit! Show me United." They were into it. So unfortunately, it, the planes don't seem to fly right. Or, I don't think you play Plano here. This can you a, tell the airline from it? No, but this is this is legally the flight path. Okay. You have to admit it, and when you buy a property yeah. in this neighborhood, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. So so I was finishing these songs. We were getting closer to having a full concept of what this story was going to be. And I really wanted to have somebody in the film who was – who sort of plays a mentor figure. Okay. And I wanted a celebrity. Um, and I wanted somebody who kind of crossed all boundaries and was beloved by everybody. And Ben and I, the director – Oprah. Oprah would be amazing. <laughs> I think you got better than Oprah though. Frankly, I think you got better. I think – A little well, hipper. Yeah, the, the – our number one choice was George Takei because of what he represents to the gay community, first of right. all. What he represents to pop culture, especially now. He's having this huge revival in his career. He's sort of the male Betty White. Kind of he thing. really is. Yeah. And um, I just love what he represents. And I love his, his story. is so inspiring. I thought, if we can get him, done. He's huge on Saturn, too. They love him. And they, <laughs> he, he really crosses. He really does. I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing. So... I reached out to my friend Stafford Arima, who just directed his show Allegiance down in San Diego, which is going to Broadway, which is basically George's story. Right. Life story. And I said, would you feel comfortable reaching out to him, doing like an email intro? And I said, absolutely. So I sent him constantly, your favorite song. Right. And a really rough synopsis of what the outline of the story was going to be. And 
he said yes. And I thought, no way. Because we had like a, a list of like backups in case. Sure. Never thought it would work out. And it did. And once that happened, the whole thing became something else, really, in terms of like how we approached the whole thing. So this was going to be a film, and we're going to make, I'm going to, we're going to connect these dots more fluidly, and I want to find interesting ways of using the music. So what I did is I edited all the original album versions, which, you know, standard four-minute-ish. Right. And now, are they all songs new, or had some of the songs that are, appear in the film... The only song that is not going to be brand new to people would be yeah. Somebody for Everybody, but right. Somebody for Everybody was indirectly in, inspired this film to be made right. in the first place. Right. But um, it's been out there. It's people, been out. People been may out have heard it. Yeah. Uh, it's, been, yeah, it's been out almost... Yeah, it came out about a year ago. Almost. Nine months ago. So, um, yeah, so... These are all going to be new songs for people. So if you see them in the film, you're going to see sort of half the length of the normal version, like two two minutes roughly. Each song is two minutes. Right. And there's seven songs in it. And there's uh, smaller interludes that sort of thread the whole thing together, which we use the Somebody for Everybody device, which is – if anyone has seen the music video for Somebody for Everybody, it's um, a dating game show, a modern-day dating game show. It's really cute. It's fun. It's fun. And in the film, it's a real show. It's a real show. Yeah. Yeah. So – um, before we knew, I mean, it really was, so, it, it was a lot of work to sort of make everything work fluidly and, um, make the songs really keep the movie, keep the story going forward. Right. And How much to show? Do we, do we get it? Do we need to move on? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, my, one of my main objectives what, with this was <clears throat> sort of a gripe that I have with, with musical theater in general is I love musical theater. I have. You know, I've done it my whole life. I have a huge background in it. But I have a problem with sometimes with some of these pop shows that it's not really pop. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I would love – I just would love to hear a show that has songs that you could really hear on the radio for real. Yeah. That, but also work in a theatrical mm-hmm. framework, you know? So I really wanted to approach this with that sort of um, – with that goal in mind is to really have songs that can live by themselves or they work just as well within this story. And how many days did you get George uh, for? I got George to K for one day. That's right. Yeah. You, you one day. That's one nice. day. That's all and you need. Contractually, six hours. Okay. But we got to almost lunch break, and the director's like, okay, you guys, we have to hurry up because George has to leave after lunch. And he's like, said who? He said, well, it's in your contract. And George's like, oh, you have me as long as you need me, darling. You have me, you know, oh. like that. And he did said, he say, hey, now. Uh, oh, my. Oh, wait. Oh, my. Oh, my. Um, hey, now is a different one. He, uh, so he stayed. As long as we need him. And then he stayed after to watch. Oh, that's so nice. And he's just, he's such a team player. He's everything you think he is. Right and on. He's and, a really special man. And he plays like a mentor of sorts for you. He does. He's, he's sort of my life coach. Okay. I like that. If people pay attention, there's a really funny moment um, when you first, before he comes on screen, where my best friend leaves his business card in like my door. Because I'm not answering the phone. I'm not, I'm not yeah. answering the door. You're I'm, in the middle of the shit show. I'm in the shit show. Right. I'm, in, I'm in the shitter. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't brushed my teeth or t- right, right, wash right. my face in a month. Right. So she leaves the card. And if you look at the card, his name is George Omai. Oh, really? That's How do you name. spell it? O? O apostrophe M-E-I. And I, that was one of my most pr- proudest things that That's I came up with. enchanting. It was really fun. So there's... When you get to his scene and you see the card again, you get mm-hmm. a longer hold on the card, then you, hopefully people will read it. People, it's funny because a lot of people miss it. I'm like, it's right there. But right. they're not really watching it, which is kind of fun. And it says, it says like, um, spiritual mentor, blah, blah, blah. It says who he is on the card. Okay. And his tagline is like, your life is my life. That's right. 
Um, did you get to talk to him much after or at all? Have you spent time with him socially apart from the shoot? I mean, we hung out a lot during the shoot. And right. I, and there were a lot of times, downtime with just he and I. Mm-hmm. And there's a big section of us sitting, like, on this bench in this um, succulent garden. So pretty. And we were sitting there for, like, really long periods of time, just he and I. And he just told me his whole story, his life yeah, story. Have you seen his documentary? It's, it's, it's really three good. Three times I've seen it. I yeah. love it. It's amazing. Um, I've seen him a couple times, but not really socially. But he's, um, he's I'm going to see him in a couple weeks. You so. know what was so poignant to me about the documentary? It's called To Be Takei. Uh-huh. I always get confused with Takei and Takai. I have to think it through. Um, there was the other dude that was on Star Trek, the older guy. Okay, yeah. You know who I'm talking yeah. about? And jo- they were like the same age. But George is so alive and oh, vibrant. I know. And oh, con- I know. I thought the and same thing. And the contrast between them. And the guy was perfectly nice and wonderful. Yeah. But you could, I don't know, I just felt, maybe I'm projecting, but I felt like, I felt like, wow, why can't I be more like George and the way his life is and the way, how vibrant and, and alive when you ta- I mean, you really is. talk to him one-on-one. Yeah. And you hear what his story, if, if, if you've seen the documentary, you kind yeah. of have a sense of what his story was. But to hear him say it, and the fact that he could, he could be the most bitter person and hate, right. hateful. And instead, he kind of flips it, you know, and he has this most beautiful, optimistic outlook on life. And he attributes that to his parents, you right. know. Um, but he's really just, he's fascinating and special and yummy and I love, I love him. Now, you're having a big launch here in L.A. Is he going to be there? He's going to be there. Yay! That'll yeah, be so we fun. Actually sort of, we sort of planned it around his schedule. I really right. wanted him there. He and Brad, have Brad, who's his partner, of course. Um, have not seen the film yet. They right. haven't seen it. They okay. saw the trailer and they saw the first video but I decided I want to hold off and I want them to see it there yes. and see the whole thing that's exciting because it's the kind of thing that it has more of an impact if you see it all the way through I think um, now your strategy now is you're releasing individual songs yes we really re- we released the first song um, two weeks ago on iTunes uh, the song's on iTunes and the video's on YouTube right and, yeah and, and then, that's called If I Knew I Just Knew I Just Knew I Just Knew I Just Knew and um, that's already out. And then my favorite out. song is coming out on Tuesday. On Tuesday, tomorrow, everybody. Yeah, constantly. constantly I can download that shit tomorrow. Um, I could send you it if you need really. Yeah, because I could because you press. Okay, I'm pressed. I get a free press copy. You that's press true. Copy. I don't. I don't pay for anything. Um, <laughs> so. I know a lot of um, journalists. No, I don't. I know. I'm thinking of one person in particular who, if they can't get the free thing, they're so embittered about it. I, I think I get you know. It's exposure, and you should, you know, and journalists don't make a lot of money and mm-hmm. all that stuff. But it's kind of like, this person would be like, well, they didn't let me in this theater for that other show. I'm never going to see a show there again. Like, they really hold a grudge around it. But anyways, I'm always wow. happy if I get anything for free. It's well, good. I'll, I'll give it to you for free. Thank you. No makes problem. me very happy. Um, so, yeah, so we're releasing that on Tuesday. And um, we're releasing uh, those two this month. We're releasing one next month, one in December. Two in January and the last one in February. Before that's, the album. A, that's the whole thing. And then the whole album comes out. When can people see the finished film? Are you hoping to do festivals with it? Is yeah, that we're, the plan? We're in the middle of festival submissions right now. Yeah. Um, we've won one award already. That's amazing. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I probably have to cool it on the submissions because I've submitted to a lot. Right. And you even warned me about this. It's costly. Oh, yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, I need to sort of probably cool it on... <laughs> yeah. And pick and pick and choose, but there's a lot of ones internationally yeah. that would probably this would probably do well over there. I think. Right. Um, so I've like I'm I just submitted to the Berlin one, which is right a, on. They have a whole like 
LGBT division. Yeah, the Teddy. The Teddy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so I'm also looking at those as well. But right on. <clears throat> so, yeah, so I don't know when the film's going to come out because what we're offering online in terms of the videos, none of the interludes will be right. seen yet. So you don't know the whole the, story, the whole thing of that. How did... Oh, here we go, another plane. Let's United. See yeah, let's see. Oh, you could t- sort of tell. Is that Virgin America? No, there's no Virgin America there. What would that be? It's red? I could almost get a Plano. Maybe Northwest. Yeah, you could almost play Plano here. If I should print out those cards, but it's hard to, you can't quite tell. You should have done done this interview and played Plano at the same time. time. Exactly. Next time we'll know. How did working on the project help you with the process of the breakup and dealing with all that stuff? Was it cathartic? Or was it something to throw yourself into? Or was it unrelated? No, it, it... it was, I think, both. I, Well, there was good and bad, I guess, because it sort of dredged up a lot for me working on it. Yeah. And this particular project was, was lengthy. I mean, I've been working on it for now. I started it over a year ago in terms of the writing. Right. It was different. And I was so hands-on in the process. I, I'm still hands-on. I'm still working on stuff that it would trigger certain things emotionally sometimes working on it. But ultimately, I think it did help me sort of heal and have some closure and I mean it's interesting because the message of the film is something that I really believe in but it's sometimes it's hard for me to even live right. by it yeah it's sometimes you're like I'm so full of shit yeah. I don't feel that way at all exactly. but it's a hopeful message right How yeah, would you, what would you say the message is the message is um, well the tagline for the festivals that it's, it's a universal story about loving Letting go and holding on to faith that there's somebody for everybody. That's right. That's what. That's really is what it's about. It's like no matter how much love can kick you down, I mean, you know, lifts you up and then it kicks you down. You have to pick yourself up and just still have the faith that there's somebody right out there. Right. And that we all have the right to it. And you are such a romantic. I know it's. You're I, such a romantic. Do people ever tease you about it, or your friends yes. are always like, "Oh, are please. you kidding me?" My one of my best friends, Paul Robinson. Um, we were, this is years ago when they had listening stations at oh. the record stores. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already laughing. I don't know why this story is making. Because you know. I can see. Because yeah, you've probably done the same thing. Get ready. Um, we were in the record store on a Sunday afternoon. And he, we, First he, of all, what's a record store? A record store is where we used to buy music. <laughs> okay. All right. We're um, up to speed. And I think we're at the warehouse. Not even Tower Records. Oh, shit. Wa- oh, W-H-E-R-E. Uh, like warehouse. Yeah. Um, at the Beverly Connection. Oh, yeah. Bevcon. Yep. Now it's a supplantation or something. Anyways. Yeah. So we were there and we separated to go find whatever we're looking for. And I'm at the listening station listening to music. And I was listening to something. I don't know. Celine Dion or some stupid thing. Right. I started crying. Let's do it. Because it was just moving me. It was so beautiful. And Paul looked over me. He's like, uh uh. <laughs> and so now, every time anything is a little sentimental, he's, yeah. like, he's like, listening station girl? Listening station? Yeah. So now it's like a, you know, it's 15 years later. And we're still using Listening Station. I said, you got to see this. I was, he's coming to the screening. I said, oh, yeah. I said, it's Listening Station, girl. So I'm going to say it. <laughs> I love that you have that expression. I think it's You so, were just crying at the Listening Station. Yeah, it was just, I wasn't like sobbing. but it was Right, just, but I you were moved. Yeah. And music still does that to me, you know? And, um, and you like old school romance. You like hearts and flowers and... Uh, 
like, like, like Love Actually just kills me. Yeah, Love Actually shit. Yeah. You want a dude with signage. Forget it. See anything? Yeah. Done. Like the grand, you like the grand gesture. You know what it is? I love when somebody puts the thought into something and you know they spent time thinking about it. Whether it's grand or not, but right. you know that some, they actually stopped what they were doing yeah. and put some thought into it. And bought po- poster board or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, or whatever. Something interesting or creative. And What's something cool like that that you've done for a paramour? Is that the right word of, way to use that word? It's like a geisha. I know. Paramour, like a for a Yeah, a suitor for a um, love interest. I wrote the song for him. That's, that's pretty good. I mean, somebody for everybody was written for my ex. Yeah. Um... Now, what do you think? Do you think he's going to see this movie? I'm sure he'll see it somehow. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I was tempted to send it to him. Right. I mean, we're not, look, at this point, it's like, it wasn't like a, it, it wasn't an ugly breakup just because I don't have those kind of breakups. Right. But it definitely was the hardest breakup I ever went through because it was just very sudden. It was mm-hmm. out of nowhere. And, and you depict that in the film in a way. Yeah. Is that line, there's there's a line that is just a little bit like, wow. No, that was not really said to me. Okay. In that. But that's how it felt. The yeah, effect right. that hopefully the viewers have watching You punched it, it up a little bit. Is how you... I, that's, <laughs> that's how I felt. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know. Yeah. I'm sure he'll see it at some point. Right on. When it's going to come out. I don't know. I mean, it's it really depends on what happens with, with these festivals. Hopefully yeah. we get some love, I hope. You know, I hope we, I'm hoping people don't have a rough time sort of categorizing it, which they may. Right, because it's a music. It's, it has music video elements to it. Yet there's a story to it, and yeah, there's and very little dialogue. Is there any dialogue? Just four lines. Four lines, right? Yeah. And who says them all? Do you say them all? No, we both have two lines. Okay, you and the the person. My, um, yeah. The person. The boyfriend. That's the boyfriend. Name. Yeah. I'm the romantic. He's the boyfriend. You don't have a character name in it? The boy, uh, the romantic. I like the romantic. The boyfriend, the best friend, the mentor. All right. And the other man. That's almost like um, a game of Clue or something. Yeah, I didn't want to have names because I yeah. just... Chad. It's so hard to come up with the right name because if it's not the right name, you don't even want to keep writing. You're like, no, it's I, not this guy. And if I wasn't to use my name, people would be yeah. like, what? Yeah. If I use my name, they're like, what? So it's like... yeah. That's and good. I love sort of like like the Fantastics. I love how it's like yeah. the boy, the girl. I love it. It's right. just cute. Yeah. Now, you shot it at a house in Malibu. And this house in Malibu has a history that I found sure out about does. just last night when we were singing karaoke. <laughs> so random. I know. Okay, so Ben, the director. Okay, let's just say Ben. Ben's his name, so I don't say director. Yeah. So Ben came to me and goes, I have a perfect location. There's a house in Malibu. I've shot there countless times. I'm friends with the owner. I think it's perfect for what we want. So, you know, when you're an independent artist, you try to find as many ways to consolidate sure. the costs. So with this house, we could shoot. There's a cafe scene. We could shoot the whole thing there because it's like a casita. We could use that. Inside of the casita could be um, the therapist's office. We could use all these locations, all these right. nooks just at this house. Right. And it's beautiful. Overlook the ocean. It's right on PCH. Gorgeous. So we went to the house to look at it. You want to show it to me? And... I was like, God, who, I wonder who owned this house. He said, oh, the, the Captain and Tennille were the original owners. I was like, uh, excuse me, what? He's like, the Captain and I was like, okay. You know, I'm, I, I was obsessed with them. Like, like kind of Were unhealthy. they your childhood people more than anybody else? Like, more than, more than Olivia? Oh, yeah. I mean, than... I'm talking about young, like, five years yeah. old. Five years old up to, like, nine. 
right. five to ten, like that. They were my first musical influence. The first artist that I would sit with them for hours and listen to in my room. I would listen to Casey Kasem to see if they were charting. Like I was, that's where I was. Yeah, as a young kid. Yeah. Um, You're kind of like, ooh, shop around, I leaped two spots this week. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, do that to me one more time is not number one anymore. <laughs> yeah. But um, what, you, it's weird is uh, when you remember, when you have a, a, a song that you're championing or you want to do well, you always remember those other ones that were right, keeping it out of the top spot. The other song? Yeah. That had that effect. That yes, that who effect. are those fuckers? Endless Love was my other obsession. Okay. Obsessed. Like, yeah. I, rec- I had a little tape recorder. I yeah. put it in front of the, st- st- the radio. Listening station, girl. And play record <laughs> and listen to it off the recording off of the radio. Yes. You've got to. You know what I'm talking about. I know. And the and at the end of the year, when they're doing the countdown for the year end, Endless Love was number two, and I was not feeling it. And number one was Betty Davis Eyes, and it, I was pissed. Tim Carnes, yeah. I remember. That was number, yeah. I was met. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah, you almost wrote a letter. I was like, yeah, it was, it was not good. Not it was good not good. So the Captain Sneal, once, one, um, I was so in love with them. Just give you an idea of like to what degree how, how I felt about them. I hand wrote all the lyrics from their Song of Joy album, which was their breakout album, that wasn't had, it? That, that was Love Will Keep Us Together. Song of Joy was the second, but okay. it had like um, Lonely Night Angel Face. Yes. Okay. Is that right? Yeah. Maybe. I think you're right. Muskrat Love. Yes, Muscat Love. Who writes a song called Muscat Love? How nope. does that? Who comes up with that? Daryl Dragon. I don't know. Pot? Is it, was <laughs> Maybe. it a drug? I don't know. And then they make those little sounds. Those stupid sounds. But we're in it. And a huge hit. Huge. So I wrote all the lyrics out. Not once. Not twice. Not even three times. Four times. All the lyrics. The entire album. Put them in like a little clear binder with a little thing you slip up the spine. Yeah. And those are my Christmas gifts to my mom and my three aunts. Wow. They all got... The, those lyrics so they could listen and yeah and sing along I'm sure yeah. they, I'm sure they use them all the time yeah but I had like carpal tunnel and like my hand was falling off but you had to do it I was sitting in the back did your seat. mother get the freshest one the mm. one that you knew was the best she got the first one yeah the one that was the best penmanship yeah, sure totally. I get it I've done um, <laughs> yeah and I remember I, I can remember vividly I was sitting in the back seat or like the back area of our station wagon yeah laying down on the station wagon the sleeping bag and just writing it going to grandma's house for Christmas I had to finish. Yeah. Not while you're driving, though, I hope. Yeah. So you were writing... Oh, man. You, you'd hit a bump and... You, oops. You have to start Hope Lonely Night Angel Face again. <laughs> exactly. Now, I was watching their variety show very recently. And, of course, there's the scene where she brings out the two sisters. Because she had two sisters yeah. like the Mandrells. But they weren't Tony. Right. They were like the... They were like bad Xeroxes of Tony. But they were there. <laughs> Daryl seemed grumpy to be there doing the variety show. Tony Tennille... Teeth and hair. Teeth and hair. Because uh-huh. I don't think she's the best singer, but she, she's you. You're you're just like it's just personality and bubbliness well, and know, she, hope. She's hope. She was yeah. She, she was maybe she, she's hope. She was kind of like why was she the I, shit? I don't want to say poor man's, but kind of poor man's Melissa Manchester. Right. Because I would kind of get them mixed up because they're similar vocally. Yeah. But then Tony had this effervescent personality that Melissa didn't really have. Yeah. I don't think. So I would just get them mixed up. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I think Daryl Dragon was the was really the star of that group, and he was in the back all the time. You know, just in terms of the the arrangements and the production. Yeah, I mean, he was so. I mean, you listen to his stuff, and you can't believe that it was like thirty five years ago. I mean, he yeah. was so ahead of his time. He really was. He was really really talented musician. And well, you listen to Love Will Keep Us Together. The production on that. No wonder it was 
everyone's favorite song that year. Yeah, it's and it's just, just delicious. So clean, and he would use the synthesizer in a way yeah. that was never used before. Mm-hmm. I mean, he and he had to shop for hats all the time. Oh that God, takes a lot. Fresh, he had to keep it fresh. <laughs> were you bummed when you heard they were getting divorced? No, not really. You, yeah, you rolled with it. All right. I mean, they were getting divorced. I think around the time that we were shooting at the house. It was mm-hmm. around that time we were shooting Hopeful. So, yeah, it didn't have an effect on me. But I had more of an effect than when I was six years old, and my dad got tickets to their concert for my birthday as a right surprise. On. And we showed up at the arena, mm-hmm. and it was canceled. That shit was canceled. Why? We have no idea. And my dad was so mad. Like, I don't think my that dad... That really touches me to hear that. He was so... Because he knew how much I loved him. He was so excited to get these for me. And we're all going to his family. And like, where are you going? Um, where was this at? Kansas City, Missouri. Wow. And I remember, and my dad tells a story so well still. He said, he said, you were trying to be so stoic, and so it's okay. It's all right. You know, I'm just trying to be like, I don't, because I didn't want, like, my dad to be upset or. Yeah. And I just remember driving up in the parking lot. The parking lot's empty. I'm like. What's happening? Oh, that's a heartbreaking thing. So we went to, like, Does your dad still sell that story? Did oh, he yeah, totally. Story? My, my dad said he's never been more mad than that moment. He was so pissed. Fuck. And the thing is, they didn't notify They didn't reschedule. They didn't... People just... Who mm. does that? They were Captain Tennille, for God's sake. They were There was huge. no app for it. You couldn't figure it out on an app. No, no. You no internet, to, no Google, no. no nothing. Do you remember going to a Plan B, like going to Chuck E. Cheese or something? <laughs> we went to a movie. Okay. And then we went to Worlds of Fun the next day, which is like All right. Six Flags. Okay. Were your parents always into what you were into? They never, you're Hell dancing, no. all that stuff. No, they didn't. Because you started more as a dancer than a singer, right? As a dancer, yeah. They had no idea what I was doing. But were they supportive of it? Or they were supportive, You but should it's... be doing more like, why aren't you playing football and all that? No, no, no. They never were like that. I mean, they were really, they were as supportive as they could be, I guess. Right. Um, though my dad did say to me when I was 19 years old, and I was doing a chorus line on Broadway, my, my dad's like, you know, you might, you might want to think about going to college. You have something to fall back on. All right. But never like I'm so proud of you for being in this. I mean, this is your second show, and you're only 19. And instead, like you know, I'm gonna get go to college. Now I wish I would have listened to his advice. You know what? It's so funny. Like all of those people that are like, you go to Plan B. That's not what. Like I, I used to think, yeah, but we're creative and we're gonna make it and all that stuff. The last two or three years, I'm like, yeah. Plan B, where's Plan B? <laughs> you gotta figure it out. Yeah, no, but. I don't. I don't regret anything, but I. I. I get that. I get that in a way that I never got it before. I mean, I had planned to go to college, right? And I graduated high school a year early. I had done one episode of Fame, the television show Fame. Holy shit! Yeah, and then they wanted me. This, that's the bombshell. What? I love that show. Oh God! I wanted to be a kid from Fame so bad. Oh my, God, it was so fun. Who were your scenes with? What was happening? I was a dancer on it. Okay, who dancer. do you remember? Who do I remember? What do I remember? Yeah, Nia Peoples, Billy Huffsey, Cindy totally, Gibb. I was supposed to dance on Nia's tour, and then I ended up booking um, my first job, which was Cats. And the summer I graduated high school, I got out early. I worked out with my counselor like early in that year to get all my credits or whatever. And I, the reason I did that is because I was going to be a series regular on Fame on the, as a dancer. You were. They were talking. They were talking to, and they wanted to bring some of us back. They wanted to sort of add because it was last season and whatever. But they weren't going to pay for a social worker or tutor because we had a social worker and a tutor because we were underage and we were in school. And they weren't going to do that. They were cutting the budge. 
Well, they, they weren't going to do that on a reg- for regulars. I see. So we did a like, guest spot. So I said, well, I'm going to be prepared and ready because I want this job. Who the hell do I think I am? I'm like 16 years old. Well, you're and thinking ahead. I already knew. Like, I, I knew what I wanted to do. So You didn't want there to... If, you didn't, if they were going to cast you on this TV show... I want As a dancer, ready. you didn't want to have some weird holdup that would make it like... Yeah, like mm. school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's and fucking fame! It was the gig. Yes! For a dancer, it was the gig. Yes! And so... Um, I bought those fucking albums, Kids from Fame albums. Totally. So, I, I did, the, did all that. That summer, I got a course... I went to do a course on in Las Vegas. It was my first job. Um, like, the month after school ended. Um... It was not. I was non-union. The show was not non-union. I was non-union. I made two hundred fifty dollars a week for twelve shows a week. Holy shit! You can barely it was, buy Capizio jazz. Tights. I couldn't buy a dance belt even. Yeah. So uh, that's a visual. And I flew over to LA on the day off and went to a cattle call for cats. I thought, I'm just gonna go. I mean, I wasn't. I was non-union. I thought. Right. Got to lose. You know, there's like hundreds and hundreds of people lined out the Methodist Church on Highland and Franklin. Um, about six weeks later... Is this for the tour of Cats? Or the for Broadway the, company? The or the tour. LA company? Okay, the, the tour. The tour. Okay. There's a new tour that was going out. And um, I was the only person I was cast. I got it. Holy shit. Crazy. But I guess I'm not going to college or doing fame. I guess I'm going on tour. So I went on tour. Wow. So would have, the fame thing could have worked out, but you... I mean, but it was still sort of up It was me. still like, yeah. we don't know. Yeah. It was like, you know, the choreographer was, of the show at the time was like, I, I really want to have you back. But you regular. right now. Yeah. Um, who was who do you remember from Fame, shooting Fame? Um I remember Nia. Yeah. Sweetheart. She was really good too. So good. Um Well Jean I remember because Jean was Jean Anthony Ray. Mm-hmm. He was lovely. He was, he was lovely, right? Yeah, he was. Um Billy Huffsey was there. I don't think I didn't work with him though. Yeah. Um The short Carlo? Bruno? Was, his name Bruno's his was name? he the keyboard player? Oh, no, I know who you're talking about. Danny Amatulo. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Cutie pie. I pulled that name out of my ass. I'm sure surprised. That must hurt. Yeah. It, I, uh, wow. All right. Yeah. How cool that was. No Janet Jackson, though. Was she on it? She was on it for a little while. Like but she, Yeah, she popped up. This was post-Debbie Allen. This is okay. when Jaime Rogers was choreographing it. Okay. Time. Nice. Um, but it was pre-Michael Cerberus. Wow. Who was Tommy, who I ended up understanding. Yes. What, what did he have to do with He fame? came on the last season as, as a performer? As a student, yeah. Wow. All right, so you were on the road in Cats. Uh-huh. What cat are you? I was pounceable. I bet you were. Yeah, and I did. You were 19 and you were in Cats. 17. You were, you were 17 in 17. Cats. You were so pounceable. I was pounceable, and then I just did Mungo Jerry, and then I, um, then I did Mistopheles. Wow. What was your favorite cat to be? I love doing Mungo Jerry just because I love the character so fun. He's just such a troublemaker. And yeah. Which one's hard? I don't know the show that well. Mungo Jerry, the two, like, the, like, thug kind of, yeah. like, street mm-hmm. kind of cats. Um, they're just kind of, like, like bad kids, the two of them. Now, I did a miniature version of Cats on a cruise ship. You did? Yes. We, like, truncated it, and we did it, like, 12 minutes. Um, perfect, long, perfect length. Perfect length. It was so funny, my... I have a friend named Dennis, and he had a daughter. He has a daughter named Kate. And when she was in junior high, all of us would go see her shows. But it was Music Man Junior, mm-hmm, Cats mm-hmm. Junior. Right. And it kind of spoils you because you're used to getting in and out in 90 minutes. And you kind of want everything. I'd see uh, Trip to Bountiful Junior I just saw, at the I, saw, I saw Hairspray Junior. Hairspray Junior, you're in and out. Done. Yeah, boom. It's good. Junior's good. So anyway, we did the Cats thing. 
Um, I remember the leotards were very revealing, and uh, my <laughs> my fellow guy that was like in the brown unitard was really packing. That was an issue. Um, For who you? It just was kind of like, oh well, you're. You know, it was just like, yeah, uh, it wasn't really an issue, but. Um, I just remember, like, the there was a lot of parts where you're cat improving. You're just running around, like, catting around. Right. Did that come naturally to you? Or did you, like, ooh, I'm going to do this thing with my tail tonight? Or you know, I, I'm <clears> going <throat> to do this? Like, you know when you cat around? It sounds so ridiculous talking about it now. I mean, Yeah, so, but at the time it was the gig of all was, gigs. Yeah, it was the wicked of that generation. Yes. You know, it's um, – because I was in the company from the beginning – so yeah. I, I was fortunate enough to go through the whole rehearsal process with the full cast. Right. Which is such a gift if you get to do that. And for the first two days, I think it was the first two days, that's all we did was improv. Cat around. That's all we did. What did they call it? Improvise. They didn't have yeah, a they word didn't for really it. Have a name for okay. it, I remember. And we had to wear the tails in rehearsal. So mm-hmm. we, we had you know, we had six weeks of rehearsal, so we were like you know, we get, you know, ideas of like how to flip the tail and do all this yeah. stuff and like getting really good at it. And you've got to commit to it. You cannot eye roll. You can't be a dick. You know, you know what? And plus, at that time, you were so excited. It was, it, was the biggest, it was the biggest show that Broadway had ever seen right. at that point. It really was. It was yeah. a mega musical. And this was only a year and a half after it opened on Broadway, so it was mm-hmm. still huge. Yeah. So the, I remember going to all these cities that it's never been. So it was right. a big deal. All, it's awesome. So, yeah. Um, plus, when you get on stage on that set, which is incredible, and you have all that stuff on, it's like... You can't help it. Like, you got to be into it. Be in it. Yeah. You got to be in it. But I, there was one time <laughs> in the Jellicle Ball where we all come into the center, and you know, all the whole cast is center. Yeah. Um, and I noticed that my tail was missing, and it was like it fell off. It was like in the middle of the stage, like by itself, just laying there, just tail. And you were you you didn't feel it. You should have been like wailing in pain. Yeah, because it's like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. And how you look down at your belly when you said that? Is it attached at the front somehow? It's just tied in a oh okay like a knot. So what happened? Did you go get it? I didn't go get it. Put that shit back on. Yeah. Now when when you would you go interact with the audience when you were a cat? Yeah. Was was there ever any weird things or were people just into it or did you people know, ever like it's get freaked out? No, it's interesting because I think about that time. You know, Tugger used to get up on top of the. The people's chairs and be right in their face. Yeah, um, you probably couldn't do that now. Lawsuits and shit. Lawsuits, yeah, yeah. And we, that was never even like discussed. It was yeah, like, it was part of the show, and yeah, people loved it. That's what they wanted. Yeah. Um, injuries, because cats is notorious for injuries, right? Oh yeah. Did you get hurt ever, or did you do okay? Well, I have three herniated discs. Fuck a duck, man. That's in my back. awful. Um, do, you, do you think it's from just dancing? And it's from dancing. I was really, really flexible. Yeah, I, I wasn't built like a dancer. You know, I wasn't like long and tall and lean yeah. and all that stuff. You know, I was like stocky and 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 um. So I was working against a facility that really wasn't like naturally you know, right, right, right for that type of movement. But I was super, super flexible. And when I sort of stopped dancing, like ten years ago, I guess. Um, I didn't really keep it up, and I didn't, like, stretch regularly, and I didn't... And what happens is your body swings back the other way. Right. So, um... But during the show, I did... You know, my knee would hurt every now and then, but, you know, I had a really bad knee injury six months before. I didn't tell you that. Wow. And, um, I had knee surgery. And my doctor had said to my mom, he'll never dance again. He said it was the worst knee injury for somebody of my age you'd ever seen. And six months later, I'm on that rake stage, pushing it up. Pussing it up? Yeah. 
Um, but That's I didn't, so good. Yeah, so inspiring. I didn't really have any injuries during the show. I really didn't. Um, I was lucky. My back would hurt and was on the rake stage and things like that. But I think about how hard I danced in that show. And Pounceable really was probably physically the hard, hardest. That and Mistopheles were probably – because Pounceable was always the Mistopheles understudy. Mm. And they were just super hard roles and never stopped. And how vocal was it for you? Was were they super vocal, or was that more dance? Um, well, I'll give you an idea that people had like the you know body mics. Yeah, Pounceville didn't. Okay, yeah. Only like four people that didn't have body mics. I was one of them. Yeah, right. Pounceville didn't sing. All right, he pounced. Victoria didn't sing. Victoria right. didn't have a mic. Yeah. Um, Cassandra didn't have a mic. Right. I don't know half. The, I just know Cassandra's the Siamese and Victoria's the white cat. All right. And then Pounceville, and then I think. Tumble Brutus, which is the tumbling. Mm. And then you do Chorus Line. You're on Broadway at 19. Mm-hmm. Did you just think, I am the shit. I'm on Broadway at 19. Not really. Did you strut around like John Travolta? I didn't. With your dance bag over your shoulder? Well, I have my dance bag. But, um... <laughs> well, of course. I had that. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I think because... <clears throat> I, mean, I it's, you know, trying to think back to that point. I never thought I was the shit. I never thought, like... I'm better than everybody. I think I had confidence because I was working, but I still was so insecure about a lot of things. You know, I thought I was fat. I always thought, um, I feel like the job could be taken away from me any moment. I did. I had like this sort of fear all the time. Which yeah, is that, that thing of like, oh, they're going to find me out. They're, they're, or, you know what I mean? It's like, just, I don't even know where it came from because right. there was no reason to feel that way. And I look back at course line, I worked my butt off and I was really good in the show. Who are you? I was Mark. Well, is he? I can do that. That's Mike. I played Mike. I did play Mike okay. eventually, but Mark was um, gonorrhea, the little confession. Okay. Yeah. Gonorrhea. Um, okay. Yeah. He's the young one. He's twenty. Mm-hmm. In the mm-hmm. show. How did you stand? With Mike. Sorry. I want to. We're gonna. T- can I take? A, we're gonna take a picture of his stand after. Um... Oh wow. Okay. He's got his hands behind his back. You look very and like shy. Know, and when Mike is like this, like yeah, what? you're yeah. It's yeah. yeah. So, I mean, one of his lines is like, "And if I get this show, I'll work real hard." Yeah, yeah. He's sweet. He's worth it. Sweet and earnest. So yes, yeah, so, I mean, I do remember. I do remember my opening night vividly. Still, I yeah. remember like turning away from the mirror and like, "Oh my god, I'm at the Schubert Theater stage doing Chorus Line." It was surreal that moment, and we were sold out that night. I just remember turning around, going, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like, I'm, this is my dream. Now, on your, on your bio on your website, it talks about a lot of the people that you worked with on Broadway, but they were everybody. Harold Prince, Jerry Mitchell, Susan Stroman, Rob Marshall, Des McEnough, et cetera, et cetera. Who do you love? Who, who's your favorite? Or who did you work closest with? Or um, I love Susan Stroman. Yeah, good. I, I'm madly in love with her. I love her. What did you work with her on? We did, well, she, she was the original choreographer of Kiss of the Spider Woman. Oh, right on. Um, and how was the director then? And then we, we did that out of town. And then the plan was to come right into Broadway. This was before it had opened on Broadway. Yeah. Okay. And it was this new program called New Musicals that Hal Prince yeah. was starting up in uh, Purchase, New York at the okay. university. Which, okay. It was a safe place to you know workshop shows but put yeah. them up. Yeah. And have audiences come. Yeah. And fix what you need to fix. But it was like a big, big workshop basically. Right. Well, Frank Rich from the New York Times came and reviewed our show. That ain't, he's supposed to do that. And we were not. We weren't done with it. Yeah, and did not give it a good review. But mostly, did not give a good review to Strowman. It was really unfair. It was really just 
tacky, and it, it was it was a huge, huge, big deal at that time. And the, the and, and she hadn't really blown up yet. She had not. It was before Crazy for You. It was right, right before Crazy for You. So this was her big Broadway splash, and she, you know, anyway, I thought it was very unfair. But did they can her? <clears throat> what happened? Well, they the show didn't move in. They had closed a show on Broadway, a play, and we were going to the theater where that play was, and they canceled us going into New York. And so they canceled it to basically retool the show and restructure it. That's when Rob Marshall came in. Mm. That's when Cheetah came on board. And you were still in it, though. I was not in it at that time. Okay. No, this was a couple... It took a you couple did, of years. You did, you it took did, like three yeah. years. Okay. Two or three years before you even came wow. back on awards. Um, but I love that woman. And she took a liking to me. And she did some other projects after that. And she would just call me and offer it to me. And then she'd refer me to like... Like, if they needed a dance captain or a choreographer, she would refer me all the time. She was just such a champion of mine. And I was, you know, it just was great. And, and she, producers, right? Producers, producers and then boom, 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 boom. You. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she's amazing. And she's just lovely. She's cool. And then the, the other one is probably, I mean, Jerry Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I love Wayne Salento, too, I did Tommy with. Yeah. We have the chorus line connection. And he just was like, couldn't have been... Another one couldn't have been just a bigger champion of mine. He was just always like yeah. so wonderful. He's he actually called, when I got Tommy, he's the one who called me, not the casting office. Wayne Salento called me. Is he the director? He's a choreographer. Wow. And well, it must be fun to call people and say you got it. But the choreographer never calls somebody. Yeah. yeah. And I was replacing somebody. It wasn't yeah. like I was giving the original cast. It was like, and we'd never really met before yeah. the auditions. And he personally called me to tell me. Got the show. That's really cool. It was amazing, and um, and then Jerry Mitchell is my other one who I just. What did you work with him on? I worked with him a lot. Yeah. I mean, we well, he does Broadway Bears, right? Created Broadway Bears, which I've done probably a dozen times. What's the kinkiest thing you did in Broadway Bears? Did you ever like wear a whipped cream over your privates and that's, that's all? Probably. Crazy. You've done that. Yes. What's up the back? Nothing. No. So it's just whipped cream on your mm-hmm. junk. Yep. Yep. And I took a shower on stage too. That's hot. In front of plexiglass, but I was in the shower. And uh, that's cool. But mm-hmm. they weren't seeing everything. You could see it. Right. And anyone sitting on the sides of the stage mm-hmm. could see it. What the fuck? Why not? What the fuck? It's so fun. I mean, and it's just, it's the greatest night of the year. For Broadway Bears is a benefit that they do where a lot of the Broadway talent do sort of burlesque sexy stuff. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's a modern burlesque. And Jerry yeah. created it. And yeah. it's all really clever, tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Um, you know, and when it started, it was Jerry on a box in his Indian costume from Real Rogers Follies and some of the guys from the show like getting tips. That's how it started at Splash in New York. Right. And now it is, you know, it makes... Over a million dollars one night. Um, and they do fundraisers all year long. I've done, um, past few years I've done it, uh, they did a Fire Island edition, which I, I closed the past three years. And then... Singing. Uh-huh. Okay. And then I did, um, there's a winter, it's called Winter Burlesque, which is probably Bears Winter. It's a winter version of their show. Yeah. Um, and I've done that the past two or three years. So. Okay. You're in Broadway Bears. You're rehearsing with all those people. Everyone's mm-hmm. super sexy. Mm-hmm. It's... Do you, is everyone really horny? Yes. Are people hooking up and going home and exchanging numbers? And for sure, is there an after party? At a... Yes, yes, yes. Oh, uh, it's so fun! It is fun. It's so fun. The thing is, now going back, now it's different because because I live here mm-hmm. and I'm not in that community, mm-hmm. so I feel like kind of like a guest artist when I yeah. Go 
And is it that kind of thing where like you know what I better stay single and get through Broadway? Uh, it's just, it's, I have a different perspective because when, yeah. when I was there, I was a dancer and I was in the show as one of the dancers, and so mm-hmm. I was like I was in that that world. I come back now, I'm just singing the finale. Right. It's just me, and that's basically all I really do. So I'm hanging out with like you know Chris Sieber and all these like other people that are like the principal, like the principals yeah. of the show. And so we have a different sort of take on our experience. It's right. very interesting to come back and have that sort of flip perspective. Um, but I sit back and, like, and I feel so much older too than right. you know than who the, all the kids that are there. But uh, but yes, when you're in it, it, it very much is that. It's fun. Did you have full on affairs that began at Broadway bars? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Damn. Oh shit. Yeah, and it's like a smorgasbord. Like you. Cannot- yes, everyone <clears throat> is so fucking hot and talented everybody. and sexy, and everybody's there for the same reason. There's no agenda. It's all we're there because out of the goodness of our hearts, because we love Jerry and we love the cause, we love what it's set with the cause is for. Yeah. And we just love to be a part of the community. It's just it's a great, amazing, amazing special. Yeah. Event. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That'd be really fun. What's the weirdest thing that ever went wrong for you on stage in a big show? Probably my first time when I was on for Tommy. Yeah. And you were doing playing Tommy. Uh-huh. Yeah. On Broadway. And it, I, he entered, he, he somersaulted in on Foy. He flew in somersaulting. You did? Yeah. Holy shit. And I got to the last somersault, and I got stuck. Because so you're literally hanging upside down. I'm hanging upside down. By wires, just hanging there. My first show. Your very first show? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. That's what, what happened? Are you singing upside down? I can't remember if I kept because it's it's music that's happening when you're doing it. I think I may have been a little bit late coming in, but since I was a gymnast and a dancer, mm-hmm. I just went oh, and I yanked it to get me up because basically the guys are you know on the side backs right. They it, they really control a lot of it for whatever reason. Just I you think, got stuck. I think what happened is my shoulders got stuck, mm. um, and I just yanked that and I got right out of it. It worked out. It worked out. But you were hanging there for a bit. For First a bit. show. I mean, it probably felt like a lot longer than it really was, yeah. but yeah. That's freaky. That's probably the... Did you, was it fun to fly like that? It was. Um, you know, it's interesting because at that point, once again, when I'm in a show and I was so much younger, I never, like, stepped out of myself to look at what was happening. Mm-hmm. I was in the work and in the middle of it and doing it, and I think that's why maybe I never got, like, a big head. I never believed any hype. Right. You know, I think that I kind of kept grounded all of that. And um, it was fun, but I just, for me, it was like, just like, I got to do my job and, like, make sure I get it right. And Would your fa- parents come out and see you? My mm-hmm. mom was there that night. Oh, wow. Pete Townsend was there that night. Wow. It was amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. Who was the coolest person that ever came backstage? Their favorite backstage? Holy shit. That's whoever. Um, probably the Clintons when I did Joseph in D.C. Were they president and were they, uh-huh. he was president at the time. Yeah. That's probably the coolest. So the president came and saw you do Joseph came, and the Amazing Dan uh-huh, Hogan. And Hillary. Do you think they stood for the Megamix at the end? They had to. They did. They totally were. Yeah. You can't not stand yeah. for that. They, they, it's too exhilarating. Yeah. And they're happy that's over probably. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, that was the first show I went to where I was like. Holy shit! This is a mega mix. Send them out tapping and happy. You know what? It turns into like this. Or it's a show like, oh my god, we don't have that much music really. Yeah, we got score, f- so we got to redo it. Yeah, play it again. Yeah. Um, my friend Richard, who was in Joseph, 
with Lori Beachman. Yeah. Originally. And Andy Gibb. Um, Wait, what? Andy Gibb was Joseph. And the first version, he was the replacement. I didn't know that. In the UK? Mm-mm. In Broadway? Broadway. Andy Gibb did Joseph on yeah. Broadway? Yeah, for a while. Fuck. That's hot. My friend, Richard, my friend Richard came to see... We opened here before we went to Broadway. We were at the Pantages for six months. And he came to see it. And the first thing he said to me, he goes... Sweetie, it's like polishing a turd. It's production. <laughs> it's so funny because it was. It was like so overblown. It's, yeah. To me, the show, I think the show would be so great if it was simple and sweet and this, you know. Joseph Jr.? Sunday school teacher telling yeah. the story. Yeah. Instead, it's like Vegas. Yeah, but, that's um, all right. But people loved it. People loved it. People loved it. And the Clintons came backstage. Uh-huh. And you met them and said hello. I did. Wow. That's so cool. That was pretty cool. Did he hit on you? Did she hit on you? Did anyone hit on you? <laughs> no. No. I mean, when Pete Townsend was there, that was kind of amazing, yeah. too. I mean, he wrote Tommy, and, you know, he was he was very involved with the show originally, and he would come back sporadically, but the fact that the night he happened to be coming to the show, yeah. I'm on, that was really exciting. When you're a Broadway person like that, is it, you have to think about your voice all the time, and rest, and how vigilant are you about that? You know, I, I never get crazy, like, like, you know, anal retentive about it. I'm just not. Um, mm-hmm. Knock on wood, I've never really had vocal problems, really. Mm-hmm. Um, around that time, I found out that I had allergies. It's the first time I really found out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know it at the time what it was, and it freaked me out because I did sort of lose my voice. Um, but, I, you know, I found out what it was, and I remember, now I don't, no, I don't have that issue hardly at all. But, yeah, I mean, I wasn't crazy. I didn't, like, stay up super late and drink a lot. I didn't smoke. You know, I just didn't really do things that really hurt yeah. my voice. right on. Um, yeah, I think I was sensible without being, like, neurotic. Yeah, you managed it. Yeah. Now, last night we were at a karaoke party. Mm-hmm. You brought it home with Maria from West Side Story, <laughs> and then you had a story about that musical... I did. ...that I thought was really poignant, because you were such a... You were thought of as such a dancer that you didn't really know... You didn't think of yourself as a singer. I did But you're such a great singer. At all. I, mean, I loved music, but I never right. really thought... I never explored that, so I didn't know. Yeah, I went to... Um, we were doing West Side Story at my high school. I was in 10th grade. And I had just started going to that school that year. And the drama teacher started teaching that year. She was a new teacher as well. Right. Oh, when you get them when they're new and they've got all kinds we're of plans? We're both new. I'm new and she's yeah. new. I bet it was a love fest. So she's having auditions for West Side Story. And I go into audition for it. And I brought in, you know, I brought in, when you're a jet, you're a jet, all the way, da, da. Right. Riff song. That's what I thought. I wanted to play riff. Riff was the, the dancing role. Mm-hmm. And she's like, darling, you're not going to be Riff. If you're, I mean, I'm not going to cast you as Riff. You're, gonna, you're Tony. I was like, what? I can't sing that. She goes, you can sing it. I know you can sing it. I said, and I was just like, yeah, but I'm in 10th grade, too. You don't give the lead to 10th grade. Yeah. Tony's the leading man. Yeah, he's the leading man. Just cut to when the cast list went up. I was Tony, and Maria was another sophomore. Well, I bet the seniors were pissed. Oh my god, the seniors must have been so pissed. To the seniors. Who's the senior dude that was the most pissed? You know, it's Barry Bostwick. No, I don't know. Um, Is there one person that pops to mind? You don't have to say who is. There is somebody. There's somebody, but he wasn't a senior. He he was at that school before. I think he just graduated the year before or two years before. But his sister was a senior. And I think she secretly wanted to be Maria, but she was cast as Anita. And, um, so he was around every now and then, and he was kind of like, who's this guy, Tony? Like, yeah. he's a new student, mm. and 
Yeah. It was a little bit of that. A little bit of that. Yeah. But at the time, like, you know, at the time, I just got on scholarship at Dupre Dance Academy, which is basically what Edge used to be. Right. Or what, Edge is, what Edge is now. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got on scholarship. I was, like, focused. Like, I was going from school in Orange County, driving every, down to, every day down to L.A. to be in class. I didn't have any time to get into drama or worry about people, like they thought. You know what I mean? So... <clears throat> Yeah, it worked out. It was great, and I, I, you know, I have a video of it somewhere, and I, I watched it a couple of years ago or something. I'm like, oh my god, I wasn't that bad, and um, but I really had no idea that I could sing at all. I, I credit her, and not just sing, but sing that Maria, like that shit's high, and like Why? I can't even believe it. Like it's, I know it's sort of, it sort of is like the Olympics of Broadway tenor singing as a sophomore. Like, yeah, could you I drive never, and didn't? Yeah, and, but, okay. but couldn't. I had no idea that I could sing. When did you start to really think of yourself as a singer? I think really, like, honestly, confidence started building. I was in New York doing Chorus Line. Right. And I went to study with this guy named Bill Schumann, who was a younger up-and-coming teacher but had amazing... Oh, let's see what this is. Uh, that looks like Southwest. Southwest, yeah. You could totally play Plano here. Oh, my God, we're doing it. I'm going to dig out the cards. Yeah. Um... So, um, what was I saying? I got distracted by Southwest. You, you, were, you thought about yourself as a singer. There was a guy named Bill yeah. Stroman or something? Bill Schumann. Schumann. Um, was recommended to me. I can't remember who recommended him, but I went to him. And, you know, he was teaching Leia Salonga. Right. Um, Howard McGillan, Brent Barrett, um, Ann Crum. But then he went on to teach, like, you know, uh, Bocelli. You know, he's like, right. great teacher. But he said to me, like, my first or second lesson, he's like, we have to, you have to understand something, that you are not a dancer who sings. You are a singer who dances. So I, you need to start thinking of yourself that way. And that, like, at that moment, because when you're, when you're in New York... You're in fucking... Cor- Hi, I'm in Chorus Line. I'm yeah. I'm a dancer. I'm a dancer. Damn it. But when you look at, you know, breakdowns, part auditions, of your I- Yeah, it's part it's of your like, identity. Right. And you're always a dancer-singer. Yeah. But to put singer first... Yeah. I was like, wow. Um, okay. And he really, he's my, he's my mentor. I mean, he really, really is. And he really believed in me and taught me how to sing and really be in touch with my, my instrument and um, gave me so much confidence. He was so nurturing and loving and like, he was like, like, sort of like a big brother or uncle or something. But he was really amazing. So had not my... Drama teacher, you know, two years earlier or three years earlier said that. And then going to him, I don't know if I would be yeah. doing what I've been doing. Do you remember the first thing you did where it was just about singing? Where it wasn't, a, there was no, in other words, it was, I'm, you're just going to stand here and sing into a mic. The first time? Or, or, or an early one that was, like, significant? Um, I mean, the, a, big, a big moment for me was actually out here. I was doing, um, I wasn't doing anything at the time. I was, I just moved out here. I just did, I did Joseph on the road for like six months and I came back here and I was asked, oh, it was because Ron Abel, who's a music director, was music directing, um, this thing's called, it's a stage benefit. They do it every year. Yeah. Um, and if you've ever been to one, it's like, it's all celebrities basically. And they were doing Cole Porter and Ron wanted to do like a big bluesy arrangement of love for sale. And he wanted me to do it. I was like, great. And, if, you know, if it's if anyone knows me, I'm a big homework guy. Like I, I will rehearse it and figure it out. And, like, you know, I will just 
be on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't like to go in and wing it. So we did this arrangement kind of together, and it had like two key chains in it, but it was like this major, amazing arrangement. And I basically went out there, and I stood and sang the song, and it's it's kind of stopped the show. And it was the first time I, I went, wow. I didn't know. I well, because you have a really powerful voice, and one of those sort of... Um, like a lot of your inspiration, I think, were sort of divas. Yeah, the- theater like, and like divas. And I mean, divas kind of like Tony Braxton and Mariah Carey. Whitney and Houston, like, yeah. the biggest probably of all right. for me. Yeah, and and you have some of those isms, fra- phrasings, and choices, and riffs, and you really powerhouse stuff. But it's that was probably the first time I yeah. actually thought, wow, wow, and the response that I had, and like, right. and it, there was buzz about that performance for years literally people go oh i saw you do love for stuff i was like why really it's I, a sexy song right yeah did you how did you perform it did you kind of strut I was around a prostitute. okay I was like a male prostitute oh what were you Hustler. wearing i was where i was of course you know they want suspenders and no shirt no that's what they would want <laughs> but I, you know i was still once again i was so shy the, yeah i really was i just didn't yeah i really wanted it to be about the song and not about the body right now, if I would have known then what I know now, I would have taken the shirt off. Right, exactly. But uh, I had like um, like a flannel shirt on with jeans, and I took the flannel shirt off. I had a tight T-shirt, and I like threw it at some point, and that's really what I did. But it's you threw like, the flannel shirt. Yeah, but it was almost like it didn't need anything else. Well, also, just the idea of a guy singing that is interesting, right? Yeah, it's on it's YouTube. An, you can watch it on oh, YouTube. Oh, I want to see it. Okay, it's we're going to go there. I'm going to put a link. Yay. Um, I remember the first time I think I saw you sing or saw you anywhere ever. I was at a party for Jolie Fisher. Oh, yeah. Does this sound like a thing that happened? It did happen. I interviewed her for Movie Line magazine, and we were friendly a little bit, and she would invite me to things. And I remember going to some party in Beverly Hills, and it was outside. It was Connie's house. Connie Stevens' house. And I remember um, Connie Stevens' house, and I remember you sang, and I was like, who the fuck is that? He's amazing. But I don't remember what you sang. Jolie and I became friends... We met during the stage benefit. That benefit. Okay, all right. That's when we met, and then I sang backup for her. That was an American Airlines plane, by the way. It was. Oh. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. Um, I sang backup for her in her one-woman show at the Gay and Lesbian Center. Right on. From here to maternity. Right on. And then we just became friends. I did some, some studio stuff with her, and she said, it's my birthday party, and um, I want you to sing If It's Over. Yeah. I carry I'm like, okay. And I had sung it before. But never performed it. That's what I sang. Was it to track? Were there people? Uh-uh. There was a band there. A band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Oh, we it was very impressive. The I also remember going into the powder room and the bathroom, and there was the Connie Stevens product. Remember whatever Connie Stevens was selling at the I time? Remember. It was like Forever Connie or something, <laughs> uh, some infomercial thing. And I just like to imagine that Jolie was fighting with her before. Mother, can we put this away? No, Con, I'm putting this. Mother. I just imagine one of those things going Love on. It. Yeah. Because whatever the Connie Stevens infomercial product was, it was right there in the bathroom. That's genius. Yeah. And that, that house, that backyard. And yeah. It's Bel-Air, right? It was yeah, Bel-Air. I think that's what it was. I don't know what... Yeah, but that's the first time I remember uh, seeing you. That is so funny. Yeah. And then I remember... we I interviewed you for The Advocate. Mm-hmm. What year would that have been? 90s, right? No, that was... No. Early 2000s? 2002. All right. Mm-hmm. Nice. It was when my album came out. Yeah. And People Magazine came out. 
Yes. That, that's what the article, that's what you're... Because you about. were the first gay in the people's most mm-hmm. eligible bachelors. Mm-hmm. What was that like? That was amazing. That was crazy. Because my publicist at the time pitched me to their editor to be one of the bachelors. At that, I mean, I don't know if it still is, but at that time, it was a big deal if you got on that list. Yeah. I mean, I think people's most beautiful people now was like the one, but yeah. at the time it was to get in the 50 most eligible bachelors summer issue. was like, that's the one. And they asked him if I was gay. Yeah. And if I was, if I'd be comfortable being out about it. They've tried for years to get people to do it and people right. won't agree to do it. Yeah. I was like, yeah, fine. You know, but my album had not come out yet, and I had some experiences leading up to when this album came out with other labels about being out. Because you were doing the, you were trying to get record deals, yeah. and all that stuff. Like uh, there was a point, there was a period where I was signing with Sony, and you know they, had, uh, Ricky Martin came out, or they, or it did not come out yet. They were, but there were issues of rumblings about him being gay, and just was like things you know within the industry of you know out, gay artists coming out and. That was something I was never really going to address. I didn't really want to make it about that. Um, so, I mean, really making that um, decision, and then they ended up choosing me at, at the end of the day, and it really changed how I sort of approached my career. Because had I not done that, eventually I would have come out and been whatever, but um, I had no choice at that moment because I couldn't go back. Yeah, it was done. It was done. And this is my path. So... But it's the best do you think decision. You paid a, do you think you paid a price for it? No. Because it would have just been a bunch of meetings and bullshit and bullshit. hemming and hawing yeah. and feeling crappy and just do it. And to say that I was the first one. Yeah. It's cool. I mean, Did I, like, you get dates out of it? Did no. you get attention? Did you get like. I was I, actually, had a, by the time that uh, issue came out, I had a boyfriend. Yeah. Oh. So. That's like driving to the place and now Captain and Neil aren't going to perform. There's. Totally. It's exactly the same. And so it, go to World's Fun, fellas. Yeah, and, he's got and, a boyfriend. And no, and no rides are open. No rides are open. Um, but yeah. th- it was also, you know, th- the internet wasn't what it is now yeah. in 2002. So it wasn't like, we didn't have like yeah. dating apps and people, yeah. just people didn't use it like they do now. Yeah. So. Um, but it was, it, you were out and that was it. That was it. Do you ever remember any gross meetings or phone calls when you were trying to get a record deal where that was talked about or how people talked about it or did it make you feel weird or was it, did you, did you understand what was going on? What am I trying to say? Did you ever have any of those meetings where you left in there, there and you thought, ugh. Oh yeah, of course. These people. You know, it was always, it was, any of those situations in terms of the music industry, that stuff always happened by like, my manager telling me, or the producer, they would tell me. Yeah, they love never... you, but they're thinking of Yeah, it was always coming from them. Yeah. It wasn't from the source. Right, right, right. Where I could actually have a discussion maybe with yeah. them. So, and to me, that was gross, too. It was like, and they're probably a big... They're gay themselves. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Anywho, well, I'm glad you did it. It was good. Now, you're an independent musician, mm-hmm. and the internet's changed that world so much. Yeah. Um... A lot of people can do their own thing and sell their own music and yeah. book their own shows. Do you take to that naturally, or is it God like, oh God, I've got to get better at social media, or I've got to? Because um, it's two jobs. There is making the music, and then there is the marketing of it. Ideally, in a perfect world, I would love to have somebody like 
pay somebody to be on staff for me. Right. <laughs> to do all that for me. Who really knows what they're doing. Right. To take full advantage of all the opportunities. Because I know there's a lot of opportunities out there that I'm probably not aware of. Right. Because um, it is. It's a full-time job. Um, but there's good and bad, I think, with it. I mean, because I was signed to a label for a year. I had one album out on the label. And it, I had no control over what they were doing. I had no insight of what was happening. And I was wondering why, like, why wasn't this record selling more? And what's going on, you know? And I couldn't monitor any of that. So in a way, it's good because now at least I have somewhat control because I know what's going out there. Right. I know when it's going out. Um, you know, I get all my royalty statements personally, and you know, I can kind of keep tabs on it. I think the downside to the internet, in a sense, or the, what the business is doing now, is that you know, illegal downloads are so easy yeah. to achieve, and I mean, I kid you not, like the day somebody for everybody came out, it'd been out maybe an hour and there's pages and pages on Google of how to download it. Ugh. I'm like, really? I mean, and I'm not even like a huge artist. I'm like, I can only imagine, and that's why the industry's so, you know. It's not even really an industry anymore. It's just like. And you might as well just give your music away for free. Yeah, it's a heartbreaking thing. It goes back to the whole idea about, you know, people that you said you know who don't like not getting things for free. Yeah. It's like, who's going to make some money? Because you think about it, the independent artist is spending all the money to have it produced. Of course. So you're stealing. Yeah. You're stealing from them. For sure. So, but I'll still give you the copy of the album. Okay, no, I'm happy, <laughs> I'm happy to download it. Although I do notice if something's 99 cents or $1.29, I'm like, oh, Fancy Pants here thinks it's $1.29. Well, usually, but I think Apple decides. How does that work? No, you decide. You decide? Mm-hmm. Are you a 99 cent or I'm a 99 cent. I'm a 99 cent. Okay. But, you know, I, I don't know if it was Apple was going to do this, but I thought 129 was actually, I, I, I think it is. I think it's a higher grade. Oh, of audio quality. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's a higher That's good bandwidth. to know. So, yeah. All right. I love that. I'm pretty sure it is. And your record company is called Dylan Music Group? Yeah, DMG. Named after Dylan, your my dog. beautiful dog who you lost recently. I lost him about a month ago, yeah. I'm so sorry about that. Thank you, yeah. He was such a lovely dog, but he appears in your movie. He does. He appears in almost everything I've done. Does he, is he, was he like a professional and he would hit his mark? He, he didn't like mug he's too much? eerily professional. Really? Like we did one. And we he's did, like, I got this. We did one shot and we ended up not using it. But, right. Um, there was a shot where I'm laying on the sofa and... My cell phone starts to ring. Right. My best friend's calling me. It's when I'm not answering the phone. And Dylan's laying next to me on the floor. The phone starts to ring. He scoots up. Not in, first take. Scoots up, looks at the phone, looked at me, moaned, and got back down on the floor. I was like, you have got... And the crew was like, oh, my God. Yeah. I and mean, then you looked at a script later, and he had those things noted. <laughs> written highlighted. Notes, he'd highlighted. So you didn't use that tank? We didn't. And only, we only didn't use it because um, there's just it was shot like underneath the coffee table. It was like that yeah. vantage point. It just you couldn't really. It wasn't his fault. His performance was perfect. Perfect. It just yeah. it was the camera. Yeah. Fault. But there was a shot of him and I when we're laying in bed together, and he yeah. just doesn't move. Yeah. He knows what's going on. I don't. We can't tell what that plane is, but I'm gonna say United. United. All right, Plano. Um, you got into real estate as well. I did. I got into real estate about 10 years ago. I was living in New York, broke up with another boyfriend, and uh, <laughs> um, it just wasn't going my way. New York, I, went, I, mean, I moved back to New York, and I hadn't lived there in several years, and it just it didn't feel right. And it was really 
it was a dark period, and I wasn't booking jobs, and I was unhappy, and my record deal went south, and I was like, who am I? Anyway. Um, WTF. So I packed up my stuff and came back to L.A., and I said, I'm going to get into real estate. I want to do something where my feelings won't get hurt. Yeah. I was just tired of being beat down. I thought like I was beat down all the time. Right. And not booking jobs that I don't even really want. Right. But I came like, I can't even book that. Right. That's how I feel about kind of like the magazine business. Like, it's sort of... It's changed so much, right? Yeah, that it's kind of like, why fight for that... When you don't even want it! $75 thing. Right. Yeah, 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 I got you. I mean, my breaking point, I'm not even kidding. I was sitting at Equity Lounge, which in itself is bad enough, sitting there waiting to go in for an audition for, wait for it, Cats at Westchester Broadway Theater to play Tugger, which I always want to play, and I didn't book it. If I was ever right to play a role, it's that role. Right. And I didn't book the shit. And I was like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I can take a hint. I'm out. So, I, yeah, I moved back to uh, L.A. and did real estate for – I was doing real estate maybe for five months. And they called me to do Chicago. And – On Broadway or the, the tour? The tour. Um, we got to wrap this up soon. What time is it? It is quarter to six. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so Southwest. I, <laughs> God, in Monopoly. They do. Okay. Yeah, in Plano, there's a lot of Southwest. You yeah. learn how to incorporate well, it. Burbank. Yeah. So I was here for a few months. They called me to Chicago on the road. I had never done this show before. I always wanted to do it. It was to play Fred Casely, and I would study Billy. Um, Fred Casely was the the husband, or the, 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 the murder victim. Yes. But he was hot. He, like, had a he was white like beater. A, yeah. He was a, okay. Yeah. Um, and it was only three months commitment with the possibility to extend if I wanted to. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. So I went and did it. I had the best experience. It was so great. I got my body in shape. I was feeling good. It was like, I'm going to go on the road and do this. Yeah. Great I'm show. jazzing it up. And, I'm composed. And, and Fred Case is an easy role physically. Yeah. You were dancing like, a lot. Not a lot. Not like the other guys, but I mean, the show is a pretty You never easy had show. to do that? No, I had to do that. But okay. Not, I mean, I'm, dem- I'm doing a little Fosse move. But he, he opened the show. He's the first yeah. person you see. Yeah. Um, I had a great time. Then they asked me to continue oh. on with the tour. They were going to like Korea or something, somewhere like that. I was like, no. I'm going to go back to L.A. because I need to like really stay focused yeah. on my real estate endeavor and that yes. path. And it's the universe's way of telling me, are you really ready yeah. to give it up? So I turned it down. I came back. And I kid you not, two days after getting back from the tour, they called me and offered me Broadway. Uh, in Chicago? In Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. And to play Fred Casey on Broadway. And... <laughs> Brooke Shields was going into the show at the same time, and they made a big deal, like trying, trying to sell me on it. And like, well, Brooke's going to be coming in, so you guys will be going to the show together, and you know, she, your love interest or whatever. I was like, that sounds great. And I said, but could we talk about maybe getting some, you know, um, some of my relocating costs covered because yeah. I just moved here, back here, and they wouldn't. And I said, well, then I'm not coming. Right on. You st- you left you you stood up, Brooke Shields. I stood Brooke up. You stood her up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would have loved... If I lived in New York at the time... It would have been a no-brainer. No-brainer. Done. Absolutely. Yeah. But it wasn't enough of a move... It wasn't a move up. Yeah. It was you, a lateral move, if not even... So you stayed in L.A. I stayed in L.A. Do you... I did real estate for, you know, three years. Like yeah. Heavily. Only real estate. I didn't sing. I didn't write. Yeah. Um, and now you sort of still do a little real estate. I do a it, little bit. Yeah. Not a lot. Because I just don't have time. Um, my heart's not really in it. You know, I... I, I like doing real estate for friends. That's a whole yeah. other thing. 
Um, but I just don't have any interest in like pounding the pavement trying to get clients and right. I got you. I'd rather you put got my your passion in your music. And it takes up a lot of my space. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, you know, I had not, at that time had not been singing for three years, yeah. and I same people that did the stage benefit. A lot of the same people called me and said, "We want you to do this thing at the Ford called Broadway Unplugged." Right. And we want you to sing a, a love for sale type song. That everyone right. goes back to that, that song and arrangement. That was your fucking moment, man. It was. It was my moment. It was. T- t- and it's on YouTube? It's on YouTube. I'm going to pull that shit right up. I'm young. But uh, I thought, great. I said, you know what? I'm going to sing the song from Tap Dance Kid. It's like the 11 o'clock number. Hitting Battle's big 11 o'clock number. Has two key changes as well already right. built in. Boom. Now, I was really scared because I, I hadn't sung in front of people in like years and I was overweight I was, I was really unhappy too I, I didn't realize at the time that like not singing and not writing not doing anything like that it really kind of a part of my, my light went out yeah my, um, my career coach calls it your pilot light and if you don't stoke it it's gonna fucking eat your insides up it it's, did it's and, there. I, and I didn't really realize it until that moment yeah. I was on stage and I get to the big first key change and they started applauding and I got off stage, and I, I, it's so vivid in my mind. I got off stage, and I just started crying. I was oh, like, man. I was like, I'm crying now. But it just—it was a moment that I just thought, why am I not doing this? This is like what I sh-. and, um, Mama, um, what's Mama's? Worthy Meacham. Worthy Meacham. Mama, Ma- uh, local drag. Yeah, she, he legend. was hosting the event. Right. And he came up to me at the party, and he said, "You have to understand something. You cannot." Stop singing. He, you got read by a drag queen? Yeah, yeah. and he said... That's kind of like... It's like, kind of like getting called to the but it was so, he was office. But so, it was so earnest. He's sweet. Sincere, and he He's said, such a sweet He man. said, we need you. We need you, and you cannot not do that. Did he know you had not been doing it, or did he just yeah, kind of pick knew. up on I mean, something? Yeah, you know, And so many people were like, why... And once again, you know, sometimes... At that point, I was so beaten down. My confidence was so low. I just was like, I suck. I suck, and I just shouldn't be doing it. You know, and... When I went on stage and did that song that night, and I got that response, it was just like a light went off. I'm like, this is stupid. I can do more than if I'm if I'm gonna sell real estate. I can still sing. I can still write and do other things. I don't have to do one thing. Right. So I called Andy, my producer, the right. next day, and I talked. To him. I'm back. I'm back, baby. <laughs> he said. I said, do you want to do an album together? He said, yeah. And so we did. And here I am, album and. That was the beginning. The of beginning. you d- doing your, your, your sort of your thing your My way. Thing. Yep. What are the great parts about that and what are the frustrations of it? Because everything's you, right? That's the only frustration thing, I yeah. think, at this point. It's just the workload. People don't, yeah. people don't understand how much work goes into it. So well, I do because I'm a study do. hall with you. Yeah, I mean. And but, you're doing your logo. and you're, But you also are the king of, like, finding cool stuff online. Like, also, ooh, if you go to this place, you can get a logo <laughs> for $5. <laughs> Fiverr.com. That's the um, that's uh, but I'm also part the, of study hall. That's the magic of study hall. I love it. But I'm also the king of micromanaging, and I'm a control freak. Oh. And I know, but it's like I don't. It seems like every anytime I fa- I farm something out to somebody yeah. to do, it never gets done in the way I want it done. So now I just do it myself, but it takes a lot more time. Right. Um. That's really the only frustrating thing, and it's, it's frustrating because it, it can be expensive. Yeah. I mean, hopeful, way over budget. Um. You know, and I had to list a condo to pay for it, and the condo never sold. Um, but uh, it's just that's probably the, the workload. I mean, I don't, 
I, I haven't never, I've never hired an assistant. Because I always think assistant, highfalutin, like whatever. Oh, it's not highfalutin. It's, it's not handy. at all. It's not at all. It's and just finding somebody that... That you trust and, and you know they're going to... That can do and it. And that's really what it came down to yeah. for me is I was in the middle of... We were in the middle of post-production. I mean, I should have had somebody during... I should have had somebody. I was doing too much stuff. Right. And I need to focus on... Your thing. My thing. And not do like walking the dogs and running, running doing things that, you know, or maybe like make sure the bills get paid and the... The sites get, you know, updated and it's just a lot of things that you don't think about. Um, but I am going to get an assistant. That's like my goal, like to get one like in the next couple months. Well, if you're an assistant in LA and you're interested, go to madsarley.com. Absolutely. Right. Um, I feel like, and we're going to wrap this up, in terms of your sort of life creative philosophy, because I kind of, you know what, I've done things where I've gotten paid pretty good for doing it and some things that I put a lot in and nothing came out. Yeah. And it frustrates me, and I don't ever seem to learn big lessons from it, except this is what I want to spend my time doing. This is how I want to spend my days. Well, and I, I think that's the only I think measurement. Of, I think that's kind of that's you the and measurement. I, that's you and I connect a lot, and I think that we're kind of in that place. It's like, you have, like you've seen like the rewards, and you've seen, it's like so close. Right. Um, but it's very random as well. It's random. I mean, I had a moment. I have it every time I do a big project. Um, after Change Begins With Me, I had the same moment. I had like, this creative postpartum. But that song really popped. And yeah, that album well did really, you. really well. Yeah. And it was sort of like, that was a game changer for me too. But this Hopeful Romantic is, is leaps and bounds, I think, bigger than that. Yeah, and, and it's also a, a, a packaged in a different way that you just, you know, you hope people find it and, and, and get it the way it's meant to be. Uh, yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things is, one lesson I learned last time around is, don't read people's comments on, online. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't fucking do that. And, you know, I made a mistake of doing it accidentally last week when I just knew it came after out. You lo- after you <sighs> put out the first song? Yeah. Well, and there's, people there's some bitchy... Bitchy, e- mean, mother-happy. Like, They're unhappy. For no, and so unjustified when you're... I'm, what? Yeah. Um, Fuck them. But, you know, I'm really excited. And, you know, the, the people that I have shown the entire film to, yeah. know, people that are industry friends and some people are not I mean have all kind of had the same response and I hope everyone else has the same response I mean it made my dad cry there you go and so if it does that you know what did he say well he had sort of the same response as people that know me like Billy Porter called the same response Shoshana had the same response is that they're crying because they're moved but they're crying because they're so proud the same thing and like it's just because they know how much work went into it and you look at it and it is it's unique it is a unique mm-hmm. sort of experience and um, you know the biggest lesson I've learned and over the past 25 years 20 years or whatever is art is subjective it's all subjective yeah. and you're never going to be loved by everybody right I'm sure even George K isn't loved by everybody oh well, that asshole or maybe he is <laughs> um, but no he, he is he's the exception yeah, he might be the only one yeah but, but it took him how long there were probably periods in there where he couldn't get arrested. Yeah, so yeah, I know that, and I know that not everyone is going to be a fan of mine or my yeah. type of music or what I'm doing, whatever. Right. Um, I have to be a believer in it and stand by it. And more than anything, this project, I really stand by it. Like I really feel right. This represents what I wanted to say, and you know, I was much more hands on than anything I've done. I mean, I was basically at. I mean, you know, shot by shot, picking the shots I wanted in the edit, which I've never done anything. And learning a ton. Learning so much. Yeah. I'm so glad I did it, and I yeah. loved the process. And I, I, yeah. I realized how much 
how much control an editor has in yeah, the final product. For sure. It's crazy. And you could you could change the story. Yeah. So when um when I worked on testosterone with David Morton, uh, co wrote it with him, we in the edit, we literally brought a character back to life that had been killed by taking a shot early from early in the movie, but it, you could literally bring somebody back to life. Totally. Um so yeah. Anyway. Well, to give to give you this real quick, to give you like some insight, um yeah. we, one of the first cuts of the film. Andy, my producing partner, yeah, because he wrote and produced, he co-wrote it and produced this with me. He's, I sent him to look at. It, he's like, I gotta tell you something. At the end, when you and Julie are like having like, there's a scene where I'm having wine or whatever. Like, yeah. it's my best friend. He's like, it seems like you guys end up together, and like, it seems that George was like a reparative. <laughs> that he had, he did, he had, pray, you'd pray the gay away, maybe. He'd pray the gay, he'll help me pray the gay away. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, shut up. I'm like, I'm like, you're straight. That's why you're saying that. Come yeah. on. I walk into the production uh, facility the next day, and my line producer, she's like, I'm going to talk about the end of the film, because it really, it's like you and Jolie end up together. I was like, no way. It's so weird. People, you don't know how people perceive something. Because, you know, Jolie, Jolie, Jolie Jenkins, who's in the film, yeah. is my best friend in real life, and she's looking at me, and it's it's in slow motion, the footage. Yeah. So it looks like she's lovingly looking at me. Well, yeah. she... We love each other. We're, right. you know, we're soul, soulmates or whatever. And for whatever reason, that moment in the song and... The, yeah. They thought we were a couple. They thought you were in love. So all we had to do was like delete a yeah. section of it and then shift things here and then bam, yeah. we're best friends. They're You're best friends. Gay boys with the... That's right. Yeah. But if you proved to America you could play straight if, it, can, if it were to come to that. I played straight in Where the Bears Are. That's right. You play straight in Where the Bears Are? I'm straight. You're in the web series Where the Bears Are. Yeah. See, you've got that whole bear community loving on you. I just, ah, uh, yeah. Right? I, I, never had, I never had facial hair. I never had a beard and, yeah. until a year ago. Yeah. It's a whole thing, I, right? I never had it. I guess. I mean, I don't, it is. It's a whole movement. Woof. There's, like, there's <laughs> words. There's a whole I thing. Think, okay, I don't, I'm not a fan. You're not a fan of the woof? Woof or rawr or whatever. Yeah, oh. Or grr. They, the bears love puns, too. Like, Ooh. Yeah, fantastic. They, or, yeah, they're like bear-gerific. Or, bear-alicious. Yeah, they, they, they play a lot with puns and stuff but you know what they're loyal they're a loyal group and you, and they like pancakes <laughs> they do <laughs> i have i have <laughs> they do and pancakes are good what i'm saying I can't is argue with that. Pancakes what i'm saying good. is that's cool that's a that's a nice little niche it's sweet yeah and yeah. i you know i really resisted for a while yeah you know cuz i just i wasn't a part of it i just yeah. didn't really get it yeah now i'm like whoever come on yeah, and you grow a nice beard. I don't think I could if I tried. I actually love having it. Yeah. There's something liberating about it. Yeah, it's good. It's weird. Um, and I love the weather bears are guys. They're yeah, they're really nice. Awesome. So anyway, let's wrap it up. Yeah. Um, your new single, Constantly, drops Tuesday. It's yeah. my favorite song you've ever done. It's really beautiful. And um, so The version that's going to be out on Tuesday is the film version, which is yeah. shorter than the original. The original okay. version will, will be on the album February 10th. Okay, February 10th, the whole album comes out. And then watch your film festivals for Hopeful Romantic. And... Do you tweet a lot? Do the are you that guy? Yeah, I do enough. And for, it's Matt Zarley. Uh huh. It's Matt Zarley uh, for Facebook, for Twitter, and SoundCloud. Right on. And then YouTube is Zarley Songs. There you go. And you got a lot of cool videos on there, all yeah. kinds of stuff. And Matt, Matt dot com. If you go yeah. there, it'll direct you everywhere. Awesome. So yeah. check out his music. It's beautiful. Keep an eye out for the film. Matt, thank you so much for doing this. I had a great time. I'm really so proud fun. of you for thank doing you. your movie and. 
and being my study hall partner. And I'm really glad that we've gotten to hang out this year a lot. Me too. I love it. You've been it. a big, you've been a, a highlight of 2014. Same here. Not a lot of competition. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't flatter yourself. No, it, it's not true. It's true. It's, but you know what? You just got to keep doing, you got to keep doing your creative stuff. And we, and that's cool. All right. Thanks for listening. Love Bye. you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks again to the delightful Matt Zarley. If you love that song constantly as much as I do, it is available for downloads on iTunes starting October 21st. He also has a lot of other great songs on iTunes, and you can learn more about him at mattzarley.com and check out his videos on YouTube. That's it. Um, I just found out that Leslie Jordan from Will & Grace is going to do the podcast, so if you have any questions you think I should ask Leslie Jordan, send them to me at dennisanyonepodcast at gmail.com. Follow my ass on Twitter. Apparently that's important. I learned this in the workshop uh, at Hensley Dennis. And uh, we'll see you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.